This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Hour number two, Tom Stevens here, Mike Melby there. It's Husker Rewind. Bach is is here as well. Still here. Uh, Big day, of course, uh, because Nebraska has had a change of the guard at uh, head coach. Scott Frost, hired in 2018, is now gone four and a half years later. Mickey Joseph is the interim coach. Should we squeeze in a phone call? Yeah. Uh, Brian, hi. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks Good. for uh, thanks for working on Sunday. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What can we do for so you? Just, uh, no, just just trying to kind of check in here, kind of see what you guys think as far as like uh, characteristics and traits. I mean, it's obviously a big uh, big time right now. If we got to get this thing right, I mean, Trev seemed like he did a great job on his press conference, and his leadership seemed extremely strong. So, I mean, I know that, that you guys are just talking about here just. In, minute ago just like not winning the press conference but uh what would you guys say i mean as, as far as like uh people or trace or anything what would you guys be looking for well it's interesting i, I was just going to go into that uh because trev talked about the qualities that he wants as the next head coach at nebraska he wants character um uh, which all athletic directors will say but he wants a culture builder he wants a grinder he wants a guy that doesn't have a lot of hobbies he mentioned that um i don't know much golf Trev play, but I mean, I I would have a big problem being a coach where it took that much time and you could never play golf. It would drive me crazy. So, I mean, most <laughs> athletic directors don't want to hire a guys that like to play golf. Uh, so he wants a grinder. Uh, he wants somebody who knows the fundamentals of leadership, whatever that means. I'm not sure what I would take that to mean, but um, he, he mentioned that Nebraska has the resources to do it, and we all know that, that if they wanted to go to 10 million a year on a contract, they would do that. But that's Dabo, Sweeney, Urban Meyer money or Nick Saban type money. So they're not going to do that. I, I think they're going to spend more in the $6 million range if they go high. But when you hear those qualities, what do you think of? Who do you think of? Um, first of all, Brian, thank you very much for the call. Yeah. I, I think of – I'll be honest. I You know, what's a Lars Anderson reporting yeah. an hour or so ago that yeah. speculation Matt Campbell. is. Matt Campbell. I, Matt would fit that bill. Um, he, he really would. I'll be honest. Mickey Joseph fits that bill. Yeah. So other than that, I a name I threw out just kind of in just a little while ago, kind of, but I was like, that'd be interesting. James Franklin, James yeah. Franklin would fit that bill. Uh, um, there, there's a lot of guys that would Chris Kleinman would, uh, Lance Leopold would. Yeah. Are those guys that you necessarily think are going to come to Nebraska and win a national title? I don't know. Some of them, maybe others, <laughs> maybe not. How about Mark Stoops? You think you get him from Kentucky? No, no. I don't think you could. I, I they're getting you know the same kind of TV money right now yeah. that Nebraska is, and they've got you know decent money from basketball anyway. Um, I I just don't see him. I mean, I I don't think he'd take it. I mean, he's well established. I mean, he's practically a Hall of Famer they're with top what 10 he's right done. Now, yeah. yeah, with what he's and they beat what Florida over the weekend. Yeah. That was a nice victory, and of course, uh, we know Wandell went there and totally changed his career around. Uh, I just don't think that you're going to get a fairly high-profile SEC coach right now. I could be well, wrong. I mean, there's been Lane Kiffin talk. What about a high-profile SEC offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien? Hmm? Bama's offensive coordinator. I, I mean, Bill's got head coaching experience. He was at Penn State right after the Sandusky yeah. big scandal. Uh, he's got Big Ten experience. He's... I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind Bill O'Brien. I think I like Luke Fickle. I get it. I say I want a guy with Power 5 coaching experience, and Luke Fickle's one year, he was awful at Ohio State. I get it. But what he's done at Cincinnati since and the sustainability of it um, is what is impressive. Scott going Rod- back to the AAC, though. That's the, other, that's the problem. <laughs> that, that's hey, the there'll problem. be a Big 12 team soon enough. <laughs> um, that's and, right. They're going, they're going to the Big 12. And, and, and another, what about a Big 12 offensive coordinator that I think would be kind of from out of left field, but uh, somebody like Jeff Levy. Yeah. Oklahoma's new OC. I just – I don't. That's the whole thing. Is I truly, genuinely believe, despite what Lars Anderson is saying, that Trev is going to be talking to a lot of people. And we know this: that Mickey's going to have six weeks, eight weeks to prove himself. Um, and if if he comes out of this seven to two, as you say, or heck, if he gets Nebraska to a bowl game, you got to consider that guy, especially you know considering how those games might look. 
I mean, if, if a couple of those wins are over Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, that type of thing, uh, then you're talking about a guy that can win big games, which Scott Frost never did. In fact, in fact, Bo Pelini rarely beat Wisconsin right. at wins. the end. I mean, so he wasn't winning big games. Uh, he was beating Iowa, but then he got fired for beating Iowa all the time. Um, so <laughs> that's what we well, heard. We had to evaluate where Iowa was. Right? <laughs> we had to consider where Iowa was. But um, I just – I think Mickey will get a real shot. And I think that he's going to – he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be playing a lot of golf or worrying about other hobbies. I mean, that that che- he would check off the list there. I think he's a worker. Yeah. I think he embraces the job and will work hard at it and is yeah. really pretty good at it. Yeah, Mickey's not the guy that I think is your your 8 to 5 head coach. No. Um it it, it it's he's he's the 8 to 5 may be reversed. It's yeah. You know, from from eight o'clock at night until five o'clock the next night, <laughs> and he right. takes a three hour nap. <laughs> right, like that. That is that. That just seems like the the type when it gets to be football season, and and I learn a little bit about that from him, from listening to his wife on her show yeah. on the um, ticket here. Yeah. It, it, it when she was talking about, you know, what life is like being married to a, a major college football coach uh, during football season yeah. and off season, all that type of stuff, and and. Um, yeah, Mickey is a guy that truly puts in the work. And you you used to hear those stories about Bill Snyder with, you know, he was there in his office till midnight and coaches around him could only tolerate him for maybe two or three years and they were completely burned out. They had to leave the program. I don't necessarily need that type of guy. Um, but those are the guys that tend to succeed. I, of course, Bill Callahan spent a lot of time in his office and that didn't work out at all. Um, but the guys that don't, I, I can almost guarantee you the guys that don't work hard don't ever succeed. I mean, yeah. if you work hard, it doesn't guarantee that you'll succeed. But if you don't work hard, you rarely ever succeed. Well, and I think, too, it's it's interesting because everything that, that he said there – you just kind of reflect it back to Frost. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and he's got to do. And he kept reminding us, no, "Hey, don't! I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying Frost wasn't. He's got to walk down that path of like. I mean, he can't just describe to you Scott Frost. <laughs> and I'll go. Well, that, you just had that guy. And it didn't work. So well, it, it's just kind of funny the different words that I mean. They have um, to be very careful about their words. Oh yeah. Well, the the one telling comment I thought was in one of the characteristics that he wants in the next head coach is he's got to be somebody that realizes he's not bigger than the program. Right. Like it's not about them. It's about the program. Yeah. It's about the kids. It's about the university. It's about the fan base. It's not about them. But and, let's and face I, it. I, I thought there was a little There might have been a little dig there, but, and I, we're gonna yeah, read again, we're gonna read all these things and, and you know, take it to be what Scott Frost is. But find me a coach that succeeds at a really high level that doesn't have a huge ego. Well, I, 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 I want them to have you know I PJ Fleck, that guy is a has a huge huge ego. Okay, James Franklin. I mean, I, Urban Meyer. Go down the list. They I, all have Nick Saban. Incredibly I, huge egos. Okay, text line, call in Honda Lincoln Hotline. Sarger Heyman text line four zero two four six four five six eight five. I want to know, did PJ Fleck have plastic surgery? No, oh, yeah, off-season? he did actually. He had, okay. he had eye surgery, right? Yeah. He was, like, fixing an accident that happened years ago. Some people don't believe that, that well, they thought he was just having eye surgery. Well, it was just, you know, and he, he thought, well, I'm here. Yeah. I might as well look beautiful, too. I he mean. doesn't look like the same man. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's a very pretty man now. I would. I, I know everybody here hates P.J. Fleck. I would love P.J. Fleck. I would, too. I'm a big P.J. Fleck guy. I've been sold. I You know, and I think about our run defense problems. Do you remember that quote a few years ago? It, it was maybe right around COVID, uh, but um, where we felt like we could get the Nebraska lineman turned. I mean, and that was in the frost. Era. That's oh, been yeah, in the yeah. frost. Like he, and they've all kind of poked fun. You, you saw, in a little, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the hazing on frost throughout his tenure is more than I remember. And maybe it's just because I'm a Nebraska fan, but Pat Fitzgerald couldn't wait to get on frost about culture and we only threw up three times you know and we still won and developed that's culture i mean these coaches are making a point of like after games of kind of picking on him a little bit and it makes me wonder what they think. I mean, what the rest of the league thinks of Scott Frost. Well, they love him. Remember that? that remember that was the whole idea about Mike Riley, right? <laughs> right. It's like, oh, they, everybody loves Mike Riley. Well, yeah, because he get kind of victory right. on his schedule there. Um, I, and I don't think that they, they loved him the same that they do Mike Riley. But I do know, like, it. 
I, I think it was awkward at Big Ten Media Days for um, Scott Frost to look around and see all these guys that are just beating him on a yearly basis. Right. And, you know, when he first came in, he was the story of Big Ten Media Days. When he came in 2018, that was the guy all the right. cameras were around, everybody's looking to, and everybody wants to talk to. Um, and he came in arrogant, and he talked about the Big Ten adjusting to him and all that, and it, none of it worked out. And so I think by the end, that, that group of coaches – I don't know how much level of respect there was necessarily. No, the sloganeering comment that he made a couple of years ago, P.J. Fleck got really mad at that. Uh, The fact that he didn't speak and went right to the opening statement thing this year was a little awkward. He's not always handled himself. And I don't think, you know, you have to win the press conference. Uh, But, I mean, because Tom Osborne never really won a press conference, but he was always there. And he showed up and he did his job. And sometimes it felt like it was a hassle. Uh, and I don't want to pick on a guy that's already been, you know, it doesn't seem fair to do that, but we're looking for reasons as to why he's not still the coach at Nebraska. Cause I get that still all my friends, you know, he was 13. Oh, he was the coach of the year seven times over at UCF. Why didn't it work at Nebraska? And I just, I, I struggle sometimes to answer that, um, because it doesn't make a lot of sense other than he took a bunch of inexperienced guys and took them to a league with really good coaching that develops players, and he didn't do either of those things in, in some cases. I mean, you can't name a long list of dudes that developed at a high level at Nebraska, despite the fact that's one thing that we thought they would do with Zach Duvall in the weight room. I'll be honest with you. The the ones that developed were all on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, I mean, seriously, I can't think of one that I truly – feel like got developed and became a much better player Austin on the Allen, offensive. Maybe. There's not many. Austin Allen was already pretty damn good when he got, I mean, yeah, yeah granted he became, a, you know, essentially a, a third round, a, whatever NFL draft pick. And, he, um, and Well, he wasn't picked actually, but he was, uh, he was the tight end of the year in the big 10 yeah, last year. Right. But so he, I mean, he became a really good player and that's Sean Becton. So I'll, I'll give you Austin Allen, yeah. but defensively, Joe, Joe Doman, yeah. um, it, Damian Daniels, or Darian Daniels. Cam Jurgens. Um, Cam, Cam Jurgens. Um, <laughs> he developed from not being able to snap to being uh, able to true, snap. True. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Samari Toure. What the hell was I talking Samari about? Samari Toure yeah. had a cup of coffee. I don't think he developed. He just came in. Yeah. I think the quarterback development was atrocious. Um, I mean, the best year that Adrian Martinez had was his freshman year, uh, and he got progressively worse. Uh Luke McCaffrey was never a quarterback, yeah. and, and I still go back to that. How could you evaluate that guy? Probably one of the best receivers in the Big Ten had he been developed as that, uh, and yet uh, not a good quarterback and transferred from Nebraska and then became the third-string quarterback at Rice, I believe, at last Now he's check. a wide receiver. Now he's a wide receiver, which he should have been all of the time. Yeah. Um, and that's the development at Nebraska. And, I, and that's one of the things that aggravates me. Watch can't Turn on the tape. Watch Kansas State. They get all JUCOs every single year. It's a guy that just got there yesterday, and he's making play after play after play and doing his job at a high level. And he wasn't developed. He just got there and did his job through pretty good coaching. Obviously, there was some coaching going on. I'm not saying that. But why can other schools do it and Nebraska can't? I don't get. Again, and I, I think that when you look back at this this tenure, you're going to think of a few different players, and the one that's just going to stick out to me is going to continue to be Wandale. You you chased an all SEC wide receiver off a of campus by making him run up the middle, right? When you had Dedrick Mills on the roster, which I, I mean, I but you also was... recruited him to to do that. <laughs> you told him that you were going to make him a running back and a wide receiver. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we thought that we had gotten him. Remember that duck R position that was oh, created yeah. kind of from Wandell and he was a running back at no, is he a wide receiver? And we thought that he liked that. Turned out he wanted to go to the NFL and just be a wide receiver. He didn't really like that. Um, or he just wanted to win. And he found both those things at Kentucky and now he's in the NFL. So uh, it, it's a frustrating discussion, but development, it, it always seemed to happen at least at a certain level under Bo Pelini. Um, and it always happened, you know, under Tom Osborne, Frank Soldage, Bob Devaney. Uh, but it just hasn't happened outside of that. Development has been what we thought Nebraska would always be, right? Get the Nebraska kids. They're going to work hard. They're going to get in the weight room, and they're going to develop. Um, and that just hasn't been the case, uh, really, for, for quite a while at Nebraska. Guys aren't getting consistently better. So that would be at the top of my list. Get a guy 
They can take a three star and make a four star. Yeah. A four star and make him a five Proven star. Proven development. Yeah. And and you know, do something with the walk on program. I like, you know, I like the fact that you you have the Colton Feasts of the world. I would like to see more of those stories. There should be, you know, or the the rhymer stories. There there are stories out there still, but they need to happen, I think, uh, more often for Nebraska football. Development's been a big problem. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too, is proven development. Because I think of the same thing, you know, a quote I, I keep going back to um, with within the basketball realm last year was, was Fran McCaffrey saying, if I need a rebounder, I don't go and get a don't go and recruit a, a guy that looks like he could become a good basketball player and I can mold him into a rebounder. I go I go recruit a rebounder. I go recruit a guy yeah. that I can look on tape. That guy can rebound. And I think that that's that's more that that is what Nebraska's been missing for a long time is, is proven development whether that's in the strength and conditioning room or, you know, on the field. Um, that's what's been missing from Nebraska. We can argue back and forth about recruits and the changing landscape of all that Listen, it's it's not it's, yeah. go down to the little apple like you're saying with Kansas State. It's, it's not much there. Right. I mean, if you can recruit there, and then but the other thing is Nebraska recruits itself to top twenty five right. type of recruiting class. Is that maybe a little bit skewed toward them yeah. here because of clicks and stuff like that? Maybe, but the the, the point is Nebraska for all the obstacles it has in recruiting, it's not going to out recruit Texas or USC right. on a regular basis, but it re- does recruit to the top twenty five. So if you develop from that right. point, you should be, you know, a top 15 type of program. L- the best players on this team currently now, probably your quarterback, Casey Thompson. Nebraska did not develop him. Trey Palmer, they did not certainly develop him. LSU did. Uh, and Anthony Grant came right from junior, junior college where he was the junior college player of the year. Nebraska can't take a lot of – I mean, Applewhite gets a little credit. Sure, that's nice that he's playing well. But he obviously was a pretty good player when he got here. Uh, you know, Trey Palmer was a pretty good player when he got here. Casey Thompson might be the best player. He just threw for 68%. I mean, he's playing great. His, so the best players right now, you, and the, some of the worst players are playing the worst, are guys that have been in the system for a while. And it's very aggravating. I mean, Nash Hotmacher, I, I love the kid. He, sh- he should be playing. He's, this is what the third, fourth year in the program for him. Casey Rogers moved on. But, I mean, you've got a guy... In, in Ty Robinson, this should be your time. This should, I mean, yeah. you, that guy has great potential. I still think he's a really good football player, but it's inexplicable to me that you're not getting any production. I knew Damian Daniels was a good player. DeAndre Thomas is a nice player, but it shouldn't be that dramatic. I mean, you see it every year, Wisconsin or Iowa. doesn't matter who they lose. The next guy steps up, and it's a pipeline. Um, it's what Nebraska used to be along the offensive line. You never worried that you're going to have to play a guy that was third year into the program and hadn't played a lot. They just seem to know because of the culture and Nebraska's culture has not developed for a long, long time. No, it, 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 it hasn't. It's been, like you said, frustrating, but the key thing is uh, the page has been turned. I'm going to be really interested to see what Mickey Joseph's substantial changes are. And Trev alluded to the fact yeah. that, that Mickey's going to what do you share think, them. What, what would you guess it? I mean, like a practice schedule or just, I mean, what could you change really? You're still running the same system, right? Maybe you tweak it a little bit. We heard that they were doing ones versus ones. Are you going to do more of that? I yeah. mean, uh, there, there's, it, it should be ones versus ones and full tackling every day. I, I, I mean, you've got it. It's happening at Ohio State. It's happening at Clemson. It's happening at Alabama. And those are first round draft picks that are not that worried about getting injured. But again, that goes back to the depth where like they were running they had a two hand touch football spring game because they're worried about guys getting injured here because they don't trust the development and the backups that they have with those other guys. Now, I, I completely agree with you, though, regardless you I mean you especially when you're one and two you've got your one chance here if you're if you're uh, Mickey Joseph to really to, to take over the program I mean yeah. if he does well he, you have to think one of his goals in getting in coaching would be the Nebraska job this is his chance so I think that he I mean how cool of a story would that be oh yeah I mean it would almost in some ways be better than the Scott Frost story which we thought was already written anyway you know the guy that won the national title goes to UCF of course he goes 13 and0 comes back leads Nebraska to the national national title well that was probably too good to be true but maybe a big 10 championship no it's 15 and 32 or 16 and 32 whatever it was uh nebraska i mean you never would have dreamt that but this also has a chance to be a good quarterback story 
guy from Louisiana. He's not a hometown guy, but he came to Nebraska, fell in love with it. It maybe didn't have as much success as you thought he was going to on the field, but he becomes a great coach, goes to LSU, wins a national title with a quarterback that Nebraska turned down. Um, and then he comes back to Nebraska and leads them to something great. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a guy that Tom Osborne recruited, by the way. It, it's, it's a pretty good story on its own, and who knows where it's going to lead. That's the great thing about, you know, reading a, uh, or watching a movie or reading a book. I mean, you don't know where it's going until you turn the page and actually read it. Um, maybe he does beat Oklahoma. I mean, that would be pretty good in the story if he comes back and beats Oklahoma. A team that he, that always kind of had his number, really, as a quarterback, it seems I remember back in the day. Uh, so that would be another side thing. And he almost chose Oklahoma. It was down to Oklahoma, Nebraska. I don't know. I just think there's a story here that we're just, eh, he's the placeholder. He's just here to hold the place until Nebraska gets another coach. Well, maybe he's that guy. Well, the weird thing, too, is that it, <laughs> it could be a combination of both things, right? If you remember with Bo, and he only had one game as the interim coach, but he impressed against yeah. Michigan State. And he was one of the, the contenders for that job, and then they moved on. They didn't pick him. But then yeah. years later, at least you had made that connection. Um, you know, you could kind of see the same thing with Mickey Joseph because he could almost have the level of success where he's not quite who you want to move with yeah. going forward, but... It would be weird for him to hang around and be on the next guy's staff. Well, here's the thing: he's a serious candidate because you named him interim coach. If you, if you, he wasn't a serious candidate, you would have named Ron Brown as the interim head coach, or yeah. you know, do a Bob Stoops thing and make To your coach for a day or something like that. Once you get to a bowl game, that type <laughs> of they, they would have done a ceremonial head coach, right? Yeah, hell yeah. I think. But this guy's a legitimate candidate because it's Mickey Joseph, man. He's he's probably the best recruiter on the staff. He's probably the best motivator on the staff. He looks like head coaching material. Let's audition this guy on the big stage. And week one is Oklahoma. That's a pretty good <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty good audition. But if he pulls it off, man, start writing the script for the movie. Bach, I'll let you make the call. Do we want to try to get to Mario? Because I think we're going to go to Jay Foreman right after the break. All right, let's go to Mario real quick. Mario, we got a, a quick, uh, quick time for you here. Hey, so what's up? First time hey. caller, first time listener, and thanks for taking my call. Thanks. Coming back from Manhattan, Kansas, just rolling into Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, K State graduate, but uh, I've had my eyes on Nebraska since we moved up there six years ago. You guys made an interesting point about James Franklin. I knew him a little bit down in K State when we were down there. Comparing him to Frosty, I, I think some th- sometimes guys would get lost. When you talk about ego and coaches that don't have egos, I think what you're missing there is competitiveness. What I see in, in a guy like James Franklin is a ton of competitiveness, but also a ton of humility. My question would be, I don't think Frosty showed a ton of humility. I think he showed a ton of ego. I think that's what got him. I think he was yeah. successful down at UTF because you can recruit speed there all day and eat it up in that league. Big Ten is different football. It's a bigger monster. It just wasn't going to be successful here. That dude's got to learn some humility as he moves on in his coaching career. Thanks for taking my call, boys. Thank, Mario, you, Mario. thank you for the call. Yeah, should we Good get to insight? Jay? Yeah, let's go ahead. We're going to jump into a quick break here. We'll be back with Jay Foreman right after this. It's the Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. This is the Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Sunday Husker Rewind. I'm Tom Stevens. Jake Bachhoven running the board. Mikey there as well. Mike Melby, former voice of the Lincoln Stars. And we welcome in Jay Foreman. Of course, on a big day, big news day. You were on the air late last night. Probably didn't wake up thinking that you would have a new coach. Or did you today that Nebraska would have a new coach? No, not at all, man. It was late night. And, um, you know, that type of stuff doesn't really cross your mind. You know, you just kind of look at the game and, and try to figure, you know, stuff out and, um, you know, assume, you know, it's going to be, you know, business as usual, but then obviously, you know, the, the decision makers had to make a decision. It's unfortunate, you know, cause you know, Scott's a former teammate and everybody wanted him, wanted him to be success or successful. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out. And yeah. so, you know, look, it, the page has turned and now we got to try to, you know, figure it out. You got plenty of, not plenty of time, but you got to, long season it's not like it you know there's two games left and then you won't know i think you know mickey can do the job and uh, you know i said before you know you still got a you know a quarterback that's been playing well uh, or you know 
two or three runner or two running backs has been playing well, two two receivers, and hopefully you get your tight end that's playing well. Offensive line, I think, is you know taking you know steps in the right direction. Um, special teams kickers look better, and you know the defense I think will bounce back. So I think it's like it's still a gettable schedule, um, and you know it, you know everything that you kind of thought about before is is, is there to be had. Yep. Jay, you know, I I think I heard Trev setting, you know, a new voice, and sometimes you need it. And, um, you know, I think everybody will embrace, embrace this new challenge. Jay, you had great insight earlier today before the press conference. I was listening in, and uh, it, it was interesting. The you, you made the point that if you can't get off a block in a 4-3, you're not going to be able to get off a block in a 3-4. It's, it's, you know, you've got to win the, the individual one-on-one efforts. And right. the the fresh voice not coming from your, your position coach – but coming from the head guy, with it being a new head guy, will that have an impact with the defense that seems to just be struggling and almost a little lost right now? Oh, I think it will. But then also, I think um, you know, Chen's will do you know his job along with Dawson, you know, T Fish and and uh, uh, Barrett. Was, they'll, they'll get together and, and, and get it figured out. You know, this is all hands on deck and. Uh, you know, whoever else is going to be down there trying to help out. So I think they'll, they'll get it. But, of course, you know, coming from Mickey, Mickey's not going to, you know, he's not going to tolerate some of the stuff that's been going on. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's a lot of fire on these guys and, and kind of good peer pressure guys into, you know, uh, letting loose and cutting it loose. So um, they still have the same talent that they had before. Um, so I think that's a good position, you know, that they're in. You know, they still can, you know, more than realistically, you know, uh, make a bowl game. Um, so that's there. And I think they can, you know, with, you know, I think Mickey and, and, and the coaching staff is just, you know, more than capable of winning, you know, six or more games. And so, um, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take some adjustments and, um, you know, some new ideas. And, you know, and everybody that's, a, you know, a, you know, a Husker fan and alumni has got to support them. they got to support them, you know, just like you which is Port Scott when he first got here or like, you know, any, anybody else. So it's, uh, um, you know, I mean, it sucks, you know, um, right now just because of the dynamics of, of Scott is different than when Mike Riley was like, go, he was kind of like, dude, it was never going to work. You know, he just kind of came down and got like a, you know, golden parachute package, right. unfortunately. And, you know, fortunate for him, but I think, uh, you know, I think Scott can coach. I think he wants to coach. I just think sometimes, you know, with his different situation, maybe he wasn't necessarily totally ready for this type of job. I think he probably learned a lot of things about himself and and so forth and so on. You know, uh, you know when his next opportunity comes, and then he'll you know learn from that next opportunity. And then if he chooses to you know continue to coach and be a head coach, I'm sure he'll do better. And it just sucks, you know, because. Uh, Everybody really wanted them to be successful. Yep. You know, wanted to see it, you know, work out. But there's there's a lot of dynamics that goes into not being successful. So those need to be addressed. Nebraska Hall of Fame linebacker Jay Foreman, our guest. Uh, Trev talked about the qualities that he wants in the next coach, or, uh, and he talked about culture and values and all those things. What what do you need to see? What do you, what do you want from the next coach at the University of Nebraska? Uh, I think Trev, uh, you know, like. Uh, laid it out, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I always say this is an easy job. Now I might be biased or, you know, somewhat oblivious, but I don't really, I don't really think it's that hard of a job. I think it's generally as hard as job as you make it, you know? Um, yes, there's pressure. Yeah. You're in somewhat of a, a bubble or a microscope, you know, whatever you want to call it, but there's a lot of places you could be a really good coach and nobody cares. Nobody be, you know, would be at the game. So you can't have it both ways. Um, you know, I'm sure you you know you want to see a physical team, a, a, a team that's you know very disciplined, um, and play for each other, play for the you know play for the you know the Nebraska versus themselves. Um, you know, you want you know coach to be detailed, motivated, um, um, you know humble and you know aggressive. You know, you want them to be everything underneath the sun, but also you know, you know be you know I think being a head coach, you gotta you gotta know how to manage people. Um, know how to adjust, you know, and then and know how to, you know, talk to every single person and have, uh, you know, everybody to be, you know, get down to their level. You know, I think the communication is huge. How you communicate effectively to everybody is different, you know, and so that's, that's a, 
a big thing. And then as far as on the field, you know, I think that whoever, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Nikki takes or Mickey takes it and, and runs with it, you know, and, um, you know, because like I said, you got some tools there, and I think uh, you know when you know him coming from LSU, you, you know he's kind of dealt with this situation, kind of you know dealing with Ed Ogeron and going on a run and all this other stuff, and you know the rest is history. So, you know, I think um, you know Nebraska is in a good situation because you know a lot of times when a head coach is let go, you know this early in the season, you don't have like somebody that has the intangibles to be a good leader and effective. Uh, you know, person in the, in the program. And, and I think Mickey, you know, you know, checks all those boxes. And so, you know, it's going to be really interesting and on the players and the leadership and, and Mickey and stuff like that, you know, and, and other people that are, you know, maybe willing to help him to come in and get this team, you know, mentally rehab, you know, and, you know, within, you know, 24, 48 hours, understand that, you know, yes, this is a big shock to your system, but if you embrace this shock to the system, you can do great things and everything's winnable and attainable, you know, in front of you. So, don't 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 cash in the season. You know you know you know I'm, you know I'm sure the players like Scott, so it's it's hard to, to tell them this. But you know it's kind of like I remember when my dad spanked me and stuff one time. He's like, "Hey, dude, I'm doing it because I love you. I I hate doing it, but I had to do it because I love you or whatever." At that point in time, I didn't understand it. But so hopefully these players can understand that Trevor was trying to get him a new voice and give him the best chance. So there's no regrets for them. Um, no regrets, you know, like a year, say it happened at the end of the year, they'd be like, well, why didn't you do it during the season? Give us a chance, you know, or something. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I'm only guessing, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's an odd day, you know, I didn't wake up, think I was going to wake up on Sunday and this be the, you know, the direction, but you know, it happens, man. Uh, you know, when you lose, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, much as expected of, of, you know, when you're a head coach and you're paid handsomely. So it's just one of those things, man, it sucks because, you know, we, you know, no coaches out there, you know, missing checks, missing assignments, missing tackles or anything like that. So, you know, now some things, you know, maybe some new fresh ideas that kind of were maybe were to the wayside or put on the back burner, you know, are going to be implemented and, you know, maybe they can bring a shock to the system. But, you know, I really don't think it's weird because I really don't think the team's that far off. I think if you, you know, if you can kind of get the defense curtailed and then the offense to get more consistent, I think you're fine. I mean, Everybody's like, all oh, the offense scored a lot of points. But, you know, it was against Georgia Southern. And so, yeah. uh, you know, we've got to make sure we're ready to step up in big games as well. Hey, Jay, I want to ask you, Husker Hall of Fame linebacker Jay Foreman joining us here on the Husker Rewind. Trev mentioned there's probably going to be some relatively substantial changes that Mickey Joseph is going to implement. And when asked about if any other coaches were let go today, he said no. However, any personnel decisions on the staff are now Mickey's call. Um, I want to ask you, I, I mean, you don't need to say, hey, I think this guy's going to get fired or something, but I want to know, do you think the changes are going to be on the structure of practice? Are they going to be on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball? What do you think they might be? And would you expect one of the other coaches maybe to no longer be with the program? Oh, man, I don't know about the, the last question, but I'm sure the structure of practice will change, uh, which will probably be needed in you know, I think it'll pay dividends. You know, will it be right in you know one week? Probably not, but I think you know it'll it'll uh, you know um, I, I think that you know that'll be coming. As far as the coaching and stuff like that, I have no idea. I think everybody's going to do what they need to do to uh, you know try to do it the best the best way possible. And yeah. I think all the coaches are going to show up and coach just as hard as they did before, maybe even harder. And uh, you know, they know the best thing for them is the you know. Everybody pull the pull the rope the same way, and and because they know a winning season is better for them individually and collectively. So this isn't the time to try to go in self preservation mode. Self preservation mode needs to be like more of a we preservation mode. Yeah. So you know I don't know what they're, he's thinking or not like that. I'm not you know in you know in his head, so I'm not going to comment on that. But I'm sure you know structure of practice is something that. You know, it's going to be addressed, and I'm sure LSU, you know, practice a lot different than we did, and so he's right fresh from somewhat of a different type of practice structure. I'm assuming that he had before, and uh, you know, but you know, it'll probably be a good thing. It'll probably be welcomed, and and, and uh, you know, I think one thing, you know, athletes are very adaptable people. You know, yeah, it might be harder or perceived to be harder, but the benefit that you get. Um, when you start playing better football, is all forgotten when 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 you get that. So yeah. I, I think, if anything, I could probably bet on that. Other other than that, I really don't know. 
Uh, Trev talked about having a, a different voice, uh, and sometimes you know teams go through that. You stop listening to that voice that you hear all the time, and you just kind of go numb to it. Uh, you always had the same coach in in college, but what about the NFL? I mean, like you go halfway through a season, there's a coaching change. How does that change the dynamic of a team with a different voice? Uh, well, yeah, it does. I mean, I've been there where, you know, the owner just came in and fired the GM. Uh, I know the coaches have been fired. I know that, I mean, I've been there through it all. You know, the first 24 hours and, you know, 36 hours, a little bit of a shock or like I always say, like there's a surprising cut, you know, in training camp or during the season or something like that. You talk about it, but then you get down to business because you know the best thing that you can do is go out there and play good football. I think that, you know, adversity sometimes can bring a team even closer. Um, and like I said, I think they have some good parts. I think they do. I think they, you know, you got a quarterback that's playing the position pretty effectively. You got some receivers, you know, especially with uh, Trey Palmer and Marcus Washington. If he starts to, you know, come, become really consistent along with the emergence of Elante Brown, you know, Omar Manning and those guys kind of getting in there and, you know, kind of playing their roles or whatever, I think you're in a really good position. And, you know, I don't, you know, Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen are handling, the, you know, running, you know, toting the pill pretty good. So I think, you know, offensively you're pretty good. And I think defensively will rebound. I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, contrary to last year, you know, the defense has, has guys that have a lot of experience on paper, right, and done some things individually at times, you know, whether it's here or other places, but they have inexperience playing with each other. So, you know, it's going to be on the coaches to try to reach, the, reach that reach to the players on a personal level to get them to understand the, the bigger picture. And then once you do that, things become a lot clearer, you know, and so – um, you know, it'd be, I mean, I think it, you know, it could all work itself out. I think it's a good position for everybody to be in. I think everybody, you know, once you kind of get out of your feelings and stuff like that, it'd be, it'd be good. You know, I think, um, any of the coaches or anything like that, you know, be secure in what you're doing and go about your business. I think this is the time that if you can really bear down and kind of, you know, look at what's popping, you know, look what the, what the possibilities are. Um, it'll be really, really good. Um, because I, I, I truly believe that. This is a unique opportunity for everybody individually and collectively. I, I, I think if it's really embraced and, 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 and with this schedule and with, you know, Mickey, the personality he has or whatever, and then, you know, the head coaching potential and, you know, and all that stuff, I think they'll be just fine. You know, I think if you, if you go in there and, I mean, if you're in there and you're trying to, you know, walk around with your lip poked out and all that stuff, you're not going to do yourself any good. You're not going to do the kids anything any good. And you're not going to do Nebraska any good, and there's nothing going to be positive about it. You know, change is inevitable when you're losing. Uh, it sucks, and, and sometimes it's not fair, uh, but that's just life. Life's not fair. And, uh, you know, the, how you handle it is the best way to go about it. Jay, are they going to play Oklahoma close, or are they just going to shock the world and upset Oklahoma? I mean, I'm looking for them to beat them. I think that, uh, you know, Oklahoma, you know, they're 2-0, and and we're 1-2. and you know, a lot of, you know, we we can just, you know, look at ourselves and say, look, man, you know, these last two games, you know, we essentially, you know, or these, these first three games, everything that we've done has been self-inflicted. We can get out of our own way. We could definitely beat Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma has increased their talent pool of playmaking ability to the umpteenth power that anything that even going back to last year when we played them, that it shouldn't uh, have nothing but confidence, you know, in uh, legitimate confidence. And the things that are, you know, lacking in the defense are very fixable in a very short time, you know, in my opinion, you know, so, you know, I think it's something that everybody just kind of, you know, gets to get, you know, digs down and digs deep and, and wants to go about their business and then we'll go. And then, you know, offense got to bring nerves, you know, just because they played good against, you know, um, Georgia Southern, you know, you, we, we can't have a week off against Oklahoma. We got to make it into a dog fight. And, um, and you got to welcome that type of uh, mentality, and and that's something similar what Mickey's going to expect. He's going to want you to compete. You know, um, you know, if you, if you want more playing time, compete. You know, if you you know if you were worried about you know the certain scheme or whatever, your you know your numbers not being called, compete. You know, there's a way to be a positive impact on a football team. You know, besides what's showing up in the in the stat sheet, and if you get more football players that want to approach that game in a football type of mentality. It'll definitely work itself out in a positive yeah. manner for not only them, you know, individually, it will collectively, and that's obviously what what you need. And the most important is the, is the W. Great stuff today, Jay. We appreciate it. Uh, get some rest, and be, you'll be back tomorrow on Old School. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, All right. there's Jay Foreman, uh, Nebraska Hall of Fame linebacker. Good stuff there, of course. Uh, daily on. 
DP and uh, Jay, the old school thing. Uh, let's get to break. Uh, we did not do Get Off My Lawn. Do you have a nominee for today? You know, I really don't. It's just the day's been kind of surreal. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, expected, I guess. Uh, and I, and I, you know, the, the, the people that I want to get off my lawn, I think I do have it. I, right. I, I think I do. Have I think I have so. one. I yeah. think it might be me again, uh, but I'll explain <laughs> uh, what that is. Uh, and of course, Jake Bakoven is still here. He'll join us for the last segment. Uh, I think we're going beyond that, right? We're going oh, yeah. all night. We're not oh, yeah. leaving the airwaves ever, but our show will at some <laughs> point end tonight. It's Husker Rewind. More on the way. Back to the Sunday Rewind with Tom and Mike. That's old school. Yeah. No <laughs> school like the old school. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Husker Rewind, Sunday Rewind. Vershawn Jackson, the, the captain, in the is building. here. Uh, but we have a Get Off My Patio nominee from Mike Melvin. Well, yeah, and, and I got I got to do the get off my patio because I, I've started a project, my girlfriend and I. We cut half of our deck off uh-huh. and resupported it, poured new footings, all that stuff. And I need going to make it all two twenty. And, and, and it's no two twenty or two twenty one, whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever that's it takes. right. Whatever it takes. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm searching around for for a, a concrete guy, and I, I wind up finding a guy named Tim Kramer, uh-huh. and Kramer Concrete. And the guy hooks me up. Not only does he come over and give me a quote right away, uh-huh. uh, gives me great numbers, um, and and works with me and fits me into his schedule. Yep. Super fast, super affordable. And so I just wanted to say a big thanks to Tim at Kramer Concrete. If, if anybody's got a need for new driveway, new sidewalk, anything like that, um, Kramer Concrete is the way to go. 402-560-0670. And uh, promotional consideration paid for by Kramer Concrete. Nice. They, they are one of the best in the business. They're new at it. And man, are they good. Before we do, uh, well, that's a get off my uh, patio. We actually get onto your patio uh, nominee. There you go. Uh, I would do want to... I want to nominate myself, Bach. Could you play the little sounder, uh, the get off my lawn sounder there? Get off my lawn. It's Clint Eastwood. Um, mine is myself because I, I bought, I, and then I, this isn't actually not a bad thing, right? Because we all drink the Kool-Aid. We do it every single year. I drank it hard this year, even though I said I'm not doing it because we learned nothing in spring ball. We really learned very little about this team. And we are all making declarations about what this team might be, not knowing what this team is. And and now I still think they could be good offensively. I had no idea they'd be this bad defensively. Uh, But you're right. Uh, You looked it up, right, Vershawn? What's the Shenander era? 27.3 points per game. That's been a big... Give it up. Yeah, that's not good. No. That's not good. So get up. Bride said this. He said, championship quality defenses only give up 13 points a game. That's the goal. Thirteen points a game, and you were there in ninety. Uh, ninety. What was your What was your ninety three to ninety seven? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you were there. What was the ninety five defense? What did they give up uh, a game? Was it ever over fourteen? Yeah, I thought it was single digits. It's I something. So, it's, it's something. Either ten or single digits. I, I think Bach's going to look it up. But I remember going to a spring game. I think it was in ninety five, ninety four, ninety five, and I came away thinking seven zero. The brass is not any good. I mean, I, I watched the spring game. I mean, this is just seven nothing. <laughs> this, this is not a. Good, it's like because they couldn't score. You guys were so good defensively to score a touchdown against those guys every day in practice was a big deal, right? Oh yeah. oh yeah. I mean, anytime you get a chance to score a touchdown against the real black shirts, you just did something because you, we're not talking about the number 50th ranked defense in the country. We're talking about top five. Right. Every year that I was at Nebraska, we were in somewhere in that top five, top ten the whole time. Didn't the 95 defense have something like 17 players that played in the NFL on the two deep? Oh, absolutely. Probably more. Yeah, I remember reading the stats somewhere, and I'm like, how is that possible? Um, I mean, again, you know, the the one thing that Coach Osborne did that these all the coaches, every coach that's been after him has not done. For the most part. So he did it a little bit, but he didn't get a chance to really reload the cupboards. Yeah. Is keep one, two, three, four, five players in the cupboards by developing them. Right. These are two-star guys. Matter of fact, walk-on guys, what star would you yeah. give a walk-on guy? A zero-star? And then he comes from being a zero-star to a five-star, Jared Tomich. You understand and what I'm he saying? he turned out to be pretty good. Development. <laughs> development. We develop our players. We develop Depth. 
You got to get back to doing that because what happens, even in the running back room, everybody's, oh, we're, we got two backs and we're going to stick with them. You haven't gotten a Big Ten play yet. No. I mean, no, they haven't. Very easily, you could get to your third or fourth running back very easily. So you better know how to keep those third and fourth guys, you know, entertained and, hey, we want to keep you focused and motivated. Absolutely. Yeah. We all want to get back to that 90s culture, 60 and 3. Some people think think that you know maybe tom osborne sold his soul to the devil or something like that to get 63 because <laughs> now we haven't we haven't won since then i mean but you know that culture can you describe what it is because nobody knows what it is until they live it right let me just give you everybody talks about husker power right but i'll ask you guys what is husker power i i just know it when i see it right well to me i'll be honest with you it's sure. the lines it's we dominate the line of scrimmage, okay. both sides of the ball. Okay. That's I like to that. me Husker power. I like that, Bach. Yeah, I go back to Boyd Epley in the weight room. Legend. Okay. Let me give you what Husker power is. Okay, Husker power is the ability to go 150 miles an hour after you get tired. Um, Did we see that? Um, we got guys tapping on helmets. Nobody's like, listen. One time I tapped on my helmet. Coach Brown ignored me. <laughs> he did. He did. He looked at me and was like, uh. <laughs> and I'm like, that let me know to suck it up. But Husker power is the ability to dig deeper than you normally would. That's what Husker power is. And the, the reason why it started in the weight room, because you had guys who would do their entire cards, would right. do what they asked us to do, Boyd asked us to do, and then would spend another hour and a half in the weight room. That's Husker power. Mm-hmm. The ability that when you get tired to keep going but not only do it at 100%, 150 miles. Are those stories true? Like the at the end of practice in the 90s, the, you know, they'd put the ball on the 10-yard line. It was ones versus ones. And you guys would come out of there saying, anything we face on Saturday can't be half as hard as that. Oh, gosh. You, you, we, we, on a Wednesday practice, you go one against ones, 10 yeah. plays. Yeah. And this is not 10 plays half-assed, yeah. okay? This is 10 plays. I'm going to sock you in them. There was no respect to persons, right. I'm telling you. It was balls to the wall for 10 plays. Full out, full go, cut blocks or go, right. anything goes, okay? I don't even think that the, I didn't even think the quarterbacks were, were – were, towards the end of the career, I think they weren't – they had green shirts on. But for the most part, they were live too. Yeah. Then we went goal line. That's when it got really, really real. Yeah. Because now you had the entire offense on this side, <laughs> right? And the entire defense right. on this side, right. and it was live everywhere. Right. Who's going to win goal line today? And those battles were so intense that you, we, you couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. That was the, you. That was our, okay. A scout teamers that was there. I was on scout team. Not ninety five. I was actually playing, but ninety three and ninety four. Our only goal was to get five or more yards against the black shirts. If we did that, <laughs> dude. I'm spiking the ball. <laughs> I'm talking crazy. Who are your best battles with on a daily basis? It. it I mean, I don't. Phil Ellis. Yeah. Phil Ellis was linebacker. Phil Ellis let me know that there were some super tough white boys that I dealt with. <laughs> Lincoln kid too. Uh, listen, no, Phil Ellis is out there in Grand Island, sir. Oh, is he? A, yeah, is he Grand Island? Grand okay. Island out okay. there. But let me just tell you, Phil Ellis was 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 my big brother. Didn't matter the color he was. He yeah. didn't take. Listen, he never took it easy on me. I used to be so mad at Phil. <laughs> Seriously, he right. never. Took a break on me. Anytime he got a chance to light my fire, mm-hmm. he would do it. You could catch the ball, but did you ever think, man, I wish I would have gone to a school that would pass the ball Negative, Ghost Rider. I came in as a running back. I wanted to run the ball. Then I uh, went. They, they, they said, hey, you know what? You're, you're a big guy. We want you to play fullback. Well, if you a, – a Nebraska – a typical Nebraska fullback is a Corey Schlesinger type, a Tom Rathman type. Right. All they want to do is bash people. Tom Rathman. Right? Crazy. Yeah. Me, I'm like, I want to score. Give me the pill. Let me do my thing. Yeah. I didn't want. I didn't necessarily want to block anybody. Right. You know, but it took me two years on scout team and them moving me from receiver. On scout team, I played all the positions. Yeah. Running back, receiver. Because, I mean, what yeah. could you do? I wanted the ball. Yeah. You know why? Because most of the times, if you're getting the ball, you wasn't getting hit as if, you, if <laughs> I was a line or a fullback and I got to go in there and block Ed Stewart. Yeah. And then you know what you know what they say again. You know what Coach uh, uh, McBride's favorite words is. What's his favorite? Word? Run it again. 
<laughs> we just got the five yards, Tom. <laughs> we just got the five yards. Right I'm excited. Down. And he's like, run it again. So yeah. now he's like running the exact same play in the exact same area. And me being who I am, I'm like, I am not running in there. I'm going to bend this back. I'm going to cut it back. And I would cut it back. And maybe I get three or four yards. Um, they would get a little upset with me. But I didn't care. I didn't care. This was my game. This was my game inside the game. Well, we need another T.O. You, you think Nebraska will ever have another T.O.? Is, is, they're never going to be 60-3 and three again, but could, they can win a national title, right? Listen. They, they can win a national the title. Late, the, the, it, we can't say even the late great. The legend is still alive. He's still alive. Yeah. So, if I'm at this point, Mickey, you bring him in and say, Coach, here's an office for you. Right. Sit right there. Yeah. And when you have questions, guess what you do? You go in his office and you throw him off of him and you say, Coach, what would you do here? What would you do? That's the only how we're going to see another T.O. Yeah. That's it, and that's all. And, and if you let him get out of here with all that knowledge, as my grandma, my mother used to tell me about my grandfather who died at 98, she would tell me, my brother, I'm, don't let him get out of here with all that knowledge. Mickey's got the best of both worlds because he's been here at Nebraska. He knows what it's like now to coach here. He knows what it's like to play here. He knows what it's like to, re- to win a national title at the same time. And, you know, he can recruit big areas. He's got a big personality. He's got all the ingredients that you would want in, a, in what Nebraska fans say they have wanted. Scott Frost, but maybe a better recruiter or maybe a better relator to people or whatever. Uh, it seems like he's got it. Now we're going to find out in the next eight weeks if he's got it, right? He's got an opportunity. Could be seven days somebody out the text line says Scott's best win. Well, Mickey could have that beat in under a week. No. That's true. You, oh, you talk. Well, I'm saying for all for all the, the questions we have about Mickey. Beat think, Oklahoma. Right. He beats Oklahoma. That is a movie ready to be made. I mean, he is on his way. He is on his way. The one thing missing from his resume is head coaching experience. What are you going to say when you come back with, well, first game he beat Oklahoma? That's a pretty good start. That is a pretty good start. Uh, We're leaving. We got to leave. Are you guys going to be here next hour? Yeah, we're going to stick around. You guys stick around. I'm here. The captain is next hour. Come around. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, the captain is. is, The captain is here. In the driver's seat. Still so there. is Jay, Jay Cockhoven. But I think we're leaving unless yeah. we're, you know, we who, knows? Stick we, who knows? We never know. Uh, Driving but back with more <laughs> on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com.